Good morning. It's Thursday, April 8th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus outbreak here in mid-Missouri. Before we dive in today, I just want to thank the many listeners who are sending in their questions and messages for this little project that we call Community Pulse. Your engagement and encouragement means so much to us and is a critical part of what makes us not just radio, but community radio. Your support of KOPN during these complicated times will help us ensure that we can continue to provide you with locally oriented original programming such as this that you can't find anywhere else. We are compiling all of your questions and we plan to address them on tomorrow's edition of Community Pulse. So please tune in tomorrow if you're looking for an answer to one of the questions you have submitted. Today we're going to explore the variability of stay-at-home orders across the country and their effectiveness. Locally we are on day 16 for Boone County's stay-at-home order, which began on March 25th, and day 4 of Missouri's statewide stay-at-home order. Joining me by phone to discuss this and more is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician, and guest Jenny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. Good morning, Elizabeth and Jenny. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Dr. Yeah. Alleman, for having me again. Oh, it's so lovely to, to have your um, consistent voice, Jenny. Um, so just starting with the numbers, uh, one and a half million cases in the world with 90,000 deaths and 355,000 recovered. The United States has um, 435,000 cases and uh, 14.7 thousand deaths, 25 and a half thousand recovered. Missouri, um, I am quoting the work of Matthew Holloway, who is um, doing incredible work uh, reporting things on uh, his Facebook page. Uh, uh, 3,455 cases, 3,455 cases in Missouri with 95 deaths. Boone County has 78 cases and one death, and I'm not reporting recovered anymore, in part because of Matthew's work saying that we really don't have a great way to track that. Uh, one of the things he is reporting on, though, is that is the the percentage of capacity that is remaining in um, in our ICU beds and our ventilators. So we're at 75% capacity for ICU beds across the state and 62% capacity for ventilators, and we're a ways away from the peak in Missouri. Um, our new cases seem to be down a little bit, um, like the there are fewer new cases each day, and we'd expect that given that, as you said, it's been you know, a little bit over two weeks since St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, Boone County, um, and some other leaders, I think Greene County was a leader as well, have you know, issued stay-at-home orders. Our, um, our population seems to have been uh, gradually learning how to do that. And so what we're seeing is new cases down. So, you know, good luck. Uh, good job, Missouri. And we also... Um, there's also an interesting website that tracks uh, cell phone movement, and it looks like um, we've gone from a C rating to a B minus, so we're getting a little bit better about slowing ourselves down. So because we're counting on stay-at-home orders to flatten the curve, I wanted Jenny to come on and talk about what we're seeing as far as variability in stay-at-home orders. So talk to us about that, Jenny. Yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. You know, the New York Times has a really um, great tracking of where stay-at-home orders are across the nation. And right now we're sitting at um, 316 million people in the United States in 42 states staying in and under a stay-at-home order. And so looking at the population of the United States at being about three. 
127 million, we almost have the population covered. And the states that are still missing are North and South Dakota, um, Nebraska, Iowa, Arkansas. So thinking about our neighbors, right, a lot of the states that surround us right now are still not under a stay-at-home order, Oklahoma also being one. So we have three or four states that touch Missouri that are not under a stay-at-home order. Um, We are under a stay-at-home order. So looking at the time that these stay-at-home orders took place, um, you know, on March the 23rd, so not that long ago, there were only nine states with statewide stay-at-home orders. Um, by March the 30th, uh, by the end of March, we had 30 states under a statewide order. And as Tim mentioned, um, the Missouri statewide order went into place on April um, the 6th. So we've only been under that stay-at-home order for just a couple of days. Um, and, and we're seeing um, some impact. You know, the uh, Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation have, has been reporting out when they believe that each state will peak based on these stay-at-home orders. And we're seeing that these stay-at-home orders matter and that we're seeing less deaths per day as possibilities in the peak. Um, So right now, um, Monday, they revised a lot of those metrics based on um, the stay-at-home orders that had been put in place. And I'm talking about these because to to express the relevance that these stay-at-home orders really matter. And it's looking like now their predictions, and there's definitely several different predictions on when states will peak, but based on, again, the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, they're now saying that Missouri will peak in April 22nd, So, um, and they're predicting that New York will peak today, and the state of Washington peaked on the 6th. So looking at, you know, how far out are we going to go, prior to this, they were having a peak um, mid-May, so around May the seventh, right. now they're yeah. we could potentially peak on April the twenty second. So that's a significant change, Elizabeth. Yes, that's um, a huge change. And and talk about um, what what it's going to look like. What the peak means. I think a lot of us are so eager for it to be over. They're like, oh, that means that the next day everything it'll all be better and we can all go back to um, normal lives. Yeah, the, I think, the day after the we, peak. we think, when is this going to be over, right? Like, um, right. And I always say, you know, everything we up to the peak is going to be mirrored, if not longer, on the other side of the peak, right? So when we hear April 22nd, we're not done. <laughs> this, and, and I know you've said it and I've said it, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And so we're going to have to keep doing what we're doing, and we're doing it well. Could we do it better? Absolutely. Are people going to die? Yes. Can we improve those deaths by following and strengthening stay-at-home orders? That's what the science is showing us right now. So we're looking at a daily death rate of around 17 per day in the state of Missouri at our peak at April 22nd, with a total death rate projected right now at 548. So um, as you mentioned earlier, we have um, around 90 deaths in the state of Missouri already based on the John Hopkins data. Um, so we're, we're going to see a whole lot more. Um, I think in preparation, yesterday the state opened uh, or, or is working on and hopefully open by next week uh, a hotel they're converting into a state floor in Missouri. So we know that we're going to get to a point where, as you mentioned, those ICU beds, those Um, ventilators are going to be um, closer to capacity, if not maxed out. And so they're thinking of where can we put people in spaces. 
And so Missouri stay-at-home order, um, I call it a stay-at-home order, please, and thank you. Unfortunately, it's not near as strong as what many states have, but there are some good components. So I'm going to hit the good components right now. Yeah, let's, it allows uh, yeah, for a low <laughs> – let's go positive first. So it allows for local and state uh, health authorities to enforce the, the law, which I think, you know, putting the authority in the local health, health departments, right, we know that health authority – it's the best place to enforce health law. And so it does that. It does not preempt um, local law from going further. We have seen in states of Arizona where they, pre- they preempted local mu- municipalities and counties from adopting their own stay-at-home order. So nothing can be stronger than the state. So if you are in a county that is only residing under the state stay-at-home order, you can do more. And many, many counties, um, over 50 now, have issued their own stay-at-home order that has been stronger than the state's. Um, the state right now expires on April the 24th. Remember, I said we're going to peak on April the 22nd, and everything we did prior to that needs done again, right? Um, so the time that it right. took us to get to that April 22nd date, it doesn't just drop off there. So. I think that we probably prematurely expire that order and it's going to need extended out. And so I want people to mentally think about that because I think that they think, okay, I can do this until April 24th, but really we're more likely going to have to be doing it much longer. And, you know, there's many public health statements to say if you prematurely um, remove a stay-at-home order or you start going back to business as usual, you're going to re-peak. You know, just because we have one peak doesn't mean we're not going to have another. And I think that National Geographic does a beautiful job of showing those multiple peaks during the Spanish flu. So if you just Google Spanish flu um, 18, 1918, um, National Ge- Geographic, you're going to see that many cities and, and states across the nation back in the um, Spanish, during the Spanish flu had multiple peaks because they they removed their stay-at-home order too soon or prematurely. Yeah. So and I'm just going to interrupt you for just a second, yeah. Jenny, because we need to stop talking about um, illnesses um, based on an origin we think is probably faulty. So it's the 1918 influenza epidemic because we're not going to call this one the Wuhan or the China flu. So I think we should stop calling the other one the Spanish flu. We think it may have started in Kansas. So um, it, we just just to let, raise this up a little bit, that it, it's the it, it influenza pandemic that happened in the 1918 and 1919 because um, it wasn't anything to do with Spain. Thank you, Elizabeth, for for <laughs> correcting our our perspective on history and how we call it. I mean, like that that is how it's labeled on the National Geographic um, article. But I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, right. It is not about a, a place of origin, and especially when we probably got it wrong. Um, and um, so, when we look at specifically Missouri and what what does Missouri stay at home order do? You know, it allows non essential businesses to continue to operate. And when we think of a stay at home order, you know, mandating that only essential businesses be operating, you know, that that that's what we consider happened. And I think that that was the anticipation of many people was that when when the governor announced we're doing a stay at home order, he you know we had the thought that. He would issue a stay-at-home order for closing all non-essential businesses, and he 
he didn't do that. He allowed them to stay open as long as they follow social gathering and social distancing rules. And so that social gathering and social distancing rule being that no more than 10 people can be in one place at one time and that people must stay within six feet apart. And so non-essential businesses in the state of Missouri can still continue to operate. So that means restaurants, bars, um, other recreational places, people gather, movie theaters, bowling alleys, um, uh, gymnasiums. Tobacco retail outlets, yes. Right, yes. Um, uh, clothing stores, shoe stores, I mean, um, many things that we that are not in that. Oh, we're, so many of us have really restricted our lives to, I've got to get something to eat. I have to get my health care done. Um, I'm actually not getting a lot of my routine health care done. You know, I'm not getting my teeth cleaned, all of those things. My kids aren't going to school. Um, so I think that there's a, a lack of um, fairness about a, a stay-at-home order like this. Right. Yeah. If we want to think of we're going to allow just essential businesses to continue to operate, um, to have these non-essential businesses continuing to to, to you know, potentially create more contact with people. And I know that you had a show yesterday on tobacco and, you know, I'll bring it up that, you know, the idea that tobacco retailers individually, like um, vape shops, need to still be operating. Um, we allow tobacco to be sold in convenience stores and grocery stores and unfortunately even pharmacies in this state. And so the the need for uh, just a, a, a sole vape shop to be open is, is just not necessary. Um, and the same thing is true about alcohol retail establishments, places that sell primarily alcohol or primarily alcohol and tobacco. We sell all of those products in grocery stores and convenience stores, so it's not like that's the only place people can get them. Um, so we we could close down those other businesses that aren't also doing something else that is essential. And with an with a virus that has what we call a, you know, reproduction factor or an R0 R0 uh, of 2 to 3, that is every person typically infects 2 to 3 more people, um saying that 10 people can gather doesn't seem to make a lot of sense based on what we understand about the virus. Correct. You know, and I I don't know if you saw this, but the Boone County Sheriff's Department posted on their Facebook page on Tuesday. And in the picture, um, the Boone County Sheriff is standing right next to the contractors who have put together a, a questionable um, entry point for all visitors. In I and know. This whole idea that somehow there's some decontamination that you can do that by um, changing people's clothes or spraying them down, we change their ability to spread the virus is a... I, I think that my resistance to many people are asking questions, and we're going to answer questions tomorrow because there's been a lot of them. And a lot of people have questions about how to decontaminate objects. And the yeah. truth is that most of this virus is spread from person to person directly by nasal secretions, droplets, and probably aerosols. So you, there is nothing you can do to your clothing or your skin or your objects that change the fact that you are secreting this virus from your nose and that every time you talk or speak or breathe, you're spreading it into the air and that other people are also breathing that. And I think we really like the idea that we can do this cleanliness thing. And, and But, yeah, for people to be posting pictures on social media of themselves standing close to other people, um, 
I, I, I wish we'd be done with that. Yeah, I mean, Boone County put their stay-at-home order in place on March the 25th, right? And so it is not... It is not an ask. It is a requirement that you stand six feet from any non-family member or non-essential business um, individual where you have to be close to them. So, again, not not a request, not a reminder, but a requirement based on our state stay-at-home order that people stand six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I want people to remember that six feet apart, there's now new data that may be Six feet is not nearly enough, especially if you are exercising and you're breathing hard. So it's possible that we really should all be wearing masks and staying more like 20 feet away from each other when we're exercising outdoors. Yeah, and I think um, you mentioned on your show yesterday that, you know, the exhalation of tobacco products, right? The virus is contained in that. And as you use tobacco products, you're, you're exhaling more, right, than you would normally. Right. So um, that there, there are times that we are expelling the virus more into the air probably than other times, such as exercise right. or tobacco. But it's, but it's a breath thing, not a – yes, surfaces matter. I'm not saying don't con- decontaminate surfaces and our hands matter and we need to wash our hands. We need to stop smoking. But we, I think that there's this idea that somehow Lysol and Clorox wipes are going to save us from this, and really it's social distancing that we need to do, which is why these stay-at-home orders are so important. I have a question. Yeah. Have, have we seen no. any stay-at-home orders across the country be extended already, or are we not to that point yet? We have, yeah. I mean, even in our own state, the St. Louis, I think, original stay-at-home order has already been extended um, and I think that we'll continue to see those stay-at-home orders. I don't have the dates of the initial stay-at-home orders off of the top of my head, Tim, but with California as being one of the first stay-at-home orders issued, um, we're definitely going to see uh, at the original dates that they were put in place be extended. Um, so it's we're just a matter of... Seeing, yeah, we're definitely seeing extensions of school closure dates right. around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so that... The, California first put their stay-at-home order in place on March the 19th. And so some of them put them in for two weeks. Some of them put them in for 30 days. Um, I don't think I've seen one that's been initially set longer than 30 days, but there definitely has been renewals in the stay-at-home orders. And I would anticipate that both for Boone County, Columbia, and um, the state of Missouri, as I mentioned, that that stay-at-home order expiring on April the 24th, but us peaking on April the 24th. Yeah, and in Wuhan, China, they are just beginning to relax some of their restrictions, and the world is watching them. And, of course, there is some problematic, the the idea that China is not a necessarily totally open uh, society and that their press freedoms are limited, but we're still going to watch them carefully, as carefully as we can. And I think I heard on the news that they've now... um, Relax the travel restrictions out of the out of the province. So it, people mm-hmm. who would, can travel out of the province, but they also have to like pass certain restrictions about not being currently sick when they travel. But that within the province, there's still a lot of restrictions in place. So the you know the it's just these questions of ideas of like what should be relaxed first, and then how do we watch it? Again, we're going to see a lag of two weeks between the time. We do whatever, and when we see a change in our case results, and then another week after that, another three weeks, 
before we begin to see changes in death rates. So, um, and all of those all of those numbers are problematic based on testing and diagnosis and case counting and all of that. We can we're going to I'm sure have those discussions and disagreements, but. Um, I think that, you know, I keep reminding myself that the peak is just the day it's the worst as far as numbers. Like when I'm thinking about what happens in a hospital, that's going to be the day or the time during which the most people will come in needing intensive care or needing hospital care. And then the next day we'll get about that same many admissions, but all the people that were admitted yesterday are still there. And the people who are admitted two weeks ago may still be on the ventilators. So, um, and then we'll get a gradually decreasing number, but the hospital census may still increase for some period of time. And the stress on our hospital system is going to continue probably for two to three weeks after the peak. Um, and then, you know, and, and if we've maxed out our ICU beds and our ventilators, um, we're going to keep see, we're going to see increasing stress on trying to figure out, um, uh, you know, like what they were talking about on on uh, democracy now. How do we allocate these resources in a way that aren't uh, biased and discriminatory? And how do we, you know, how do we do that? Um, and if what we're trying to do is prevent there from being a whole lot of that, we're going to have to um, hold tight for two or three weeks after. Um, the peak, and then we're going to need to be trying to meet those criteria that you and I talked about earlier this week, Tim, about, you know, we can relax things when the healthcare system, when the hospital system has recovered and it's, you know, there's enough PPE and enough testing so we can really keep the people who are infected away from the uninfected people. And that, I don't know when we're going to get that done. Right. It I still think, feels you know, a little far off. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. The university has recognized that, you know, we're going to put classes online over the summer so that the, the university recognizes that, that that loosening of what they need to do to bring students back together isn't going to happen for a while, right? Right. Yeah. All right. Well, tomorrow we'll be answering questions. Um, I'm really excited about the number of questions that are coming in. I really think that um, uh, a vigorous community discussion is what is is needed um, and that it needs to be ongoing, and I'm really honored to be a part of that um, and to share what it is that I understand at this point and recognize that, you know, next week our answers may all be different. That's right. And if you have a question that you'd like to submit before tomorrow, we may have time to address it. Uh, the number to call to leave a message is 573-874-1139. You can leave your message or question there. Or if you prefer to email that question, you can send it to me at gm at kopn.org. And we'll, we'll make an effort to get to all the questions, but we've really had a lot this week. So we'll see what we have yeah. time for tomorrow. Thanks, Tim. And thanks, Jenny. Yeah, thank you both. Once again, we were speaking with Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and guest Jenny Chadwick, community advocate and public health professional. Please stay tuned to KOPN later today at 5 o'clock on Food Sleuth. Uh, Anne Bikley, biologist and co-author of The Hidden Half of Nature, will be Melinda's guest. Bikley discusses the community of soil microorganisms and their role in plant and human health drawing comparisons between a plant's roots rhizosphere and the human gut microbiome, and she will also explain how home gardens can play a significant role in mitigating climate change. That's later this evening at 5 p.m. on Food Sleuth here on KOPN. Thank you so much for listening to Community Pulse. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. 
responding to your listener questions. Once again, if you have a question, give us a call at 573-874-1139 or send it in an email to gm at kopn.org. Thanks for listening.